Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Episode 15, it's a very exciting time and I'm even more excited because today's episode is with Regan Fig. Regan is, I described her on Instagram along the lines of a a beautiful mermaid goddess and I stand by that. Regan uh, shares her story about um, experiencing postnatal depression. She's got uh, two boys and her third bubba on the way. Uh, After her first son was born, she was diagnosed with postnatal depression, which came as a shock to her because she had a background in uh, yoga teaching and um, exercise physiology. So she really has always been on top of her mental and physical health. And so to get this diagnosis was quite shocking to her. Um, But she talks a lot about that and she talks about how she overcame it. And um, in fact, that experience has shaped uh, the work that she's doing with women now, where she's mentoring women uh, in motherhood, encouraging uh, women, supporting them, and teaching them all of her tips and tricks on how to shift their beliefs around motherhood and introduce more pleasure into motherhood and joy. So she shares some of that information today, which is um, which is great because not only do we get to hear her story, but she also gives away a few of her little tips and tricks, um, which is exciting. Uh, Regan's got two offerings um, currently running. One of them is an online offering called Divine Days, uh, which is a two-week course Uh, for women in motherhood to learn more about embracing their goddess energy, um, working with their masculine and feminine energy, and just simple ways of of bringing joy into their days. And the wait list for her overflow course is open. Um, That'll be running shortly. And I I just want to read you um, the description of overflow because I think that really nails what it's about. Okay, so you're in the right place if you're feeling overwhelmed and undervalued. It's been hard to catch your breath, let alone catch a break. Anxiety arrives on the daily and you want the hamster wheel of life to stop for a second. Here you'll learn some simple steps to be more present, be able to cope, breathe, turn can't cope into contentment and stream self-care into your day without adding more to your already full plate. Now, this just sounds amazing to me, especially during lockdown, where a lot of us are feeling overwhelmed and burnt out and exhausted. So definitely um, put your name on the wait list for that one if you can. Uh, Regan is also offering listeners of the podcast the opportunity to win a place in Divine Days. What you need to do for that one is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
uh, and a five-star rating. Follow Regan on Instagram and myself if you're not already and send a screenshot of your review to Regan um, and for bonus entries, if you put your little screenshot of your review in your stories, tag myself and Regan and um, she's going to announce a winner on the 7th of September. And so Divine Days starts on the 9th of September. So that's a little bit exciting. Um, one more thing. So we recorded this podcast a few weeks ago and I had been awake since 4am and um, there were a couple of things I said when I was listening back where I thought that's not what I meant. So we were actually having a conversation about Regan's um, first birth, which is an amazing story. And I said the term spontaneous labor, but what I actually meant to say was cryptic pregnancy. So where um, a woman gives birth, but she didn't actually know that she was pregnant. And also we were talking about how motherhood is not linear. And I think at one point I said that it is linear, but I meant to say it was not linear. So if you're listening to that and thinking, what is Steph talking about? Just clarifying there that I was a little bit tired and, you know, I'm not perfect. So um, please enjoy today's episode and don't forget the giveaway. Come and find Regan on Instagram. I'll leave all of her details in the show notes so you know where to find her. Um, enter the competition and, um, yeah, work with Regan because, honestly, she's just a breath of fresh air to, to new mothers and to seasoned mothers. <laughs> I hope you enjoy. Regan, who, who are you? And who's in your life? Oh, what a great question. How long have we got? Okay. <laughs> Who am I I'll, not? I'll, re- I'll oh. ding a bell when your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you all the ways. Uh, okay. So I am Mama Bear with two boys, four and two. I would like to say I am a mother of dragons or the, what it feels like <laughs> at times. Uh, wifey to my husband, Jake. And... I'm also a, an intuitive movement and yoga teacher, an exercise physiologist, and coach basically to, uh, I guess, guide women to empower themselves to be their sovereign divine goddess selves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not too much of an ask. <laughs> no, no. So, well, mostly I, um, I sort of do that by practicing that and embodying that myself. Um, so yeah, I, I had worked as an exercise physiologist in health promotion and things like that before I had my youngest, my eldest, sorry, Zeke, and ended up moving then from New South Wales to Victoria in Melbourne. And so I ended up resigning from my job and I had experienced, uh, postnatal depression and anxiety after having Zeke. And that's what really then led me into this path of supporting other women and mothers in particular mm-hmm. um, with the transition into motherhood and playing with the pleasure of motherhood and um, yeah, really connecting to your body and sensuality. Yeah. And so you mentioned there that you experienced postnatal depression and anxiety with Zeke. Um, are you able to talk a little bit about um, what your postpartum experience was like, I guess, from those yeah. first few days to sure. months further down the track? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll begin by um, sort of putting into context. I had no 
prior history of mental health struggles. I had over 15 years of uh, practice and teaching combined of yoga and meditation. I am an eternal optimist mm -hmm. and uh, there was, you know, when you go to the, um, see your midwife or the clinic or wherever you go when you're pregnant and they hand you the brochures for postnatal depression. And I was the one I was like, oh, thank you. I'm not going to need that. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you know? So the hey, universe has really strange ways of working. Hey, <laughs> I know. And I'm so grateful. Like sounds really cliche, but truly I'm mm. so grateful for that experience. I had a beautiful pregnancy. I had a beautiful birth. Um, breastfeeding was not a problem at all. Uh, the first, I swear the first four weeks was like on this natural high. Mm -hmm. um, I did not nap when the baby napped because I didn't feel like I needed to. Mm. And it wasn't until around that four month mark uh, when, you know, you're up so many times a night feeding babe the sleep deprivation catches up and then the four month sleep regression that I didn't believe in mm. arrived. <laughs> and yeah, my son was waking up every 45 minutes mm. uh, for a good two or three weeks, would only go back to sleep on the breast. So my husband couldn't help. And after about that two or three weeks, then, you know, Zeke started to sleep, but I couldn't, it was like my body had forgotten how to sleep. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I then ended up with insomnia. I was only getting about two or three hours sleep, broken sleep a night for mm. a good two months or so. Mm. Um, I really lost the connection with my body um, to say, not in a sense of, oh, this doesn't feel like my body, in the sense of like even really basic stuff, like not going to the toilet when I needed to go, yeah. feeding myself, like putting my child first all the mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the detriment to myself. Mm -hmm. But because I had a, so much of this uh, like deep-seated subconscious type uh, beliefs uh, in the background, I, I hadn't really started to question that. Mm. And it so, wasn't until, yeah, sorry. sorry, babe. Do you mean beliefs around like how you should mother or like how you should put yourself last basically to, yeah, in absolutely. order to be a good, in quotation marks, mother? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's stuff that I hadn't realized until I became a mother. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff I hadn't even, well, I hadn't looked into because, like I said, I was like, oh, I'm not going to have any problems with mental health. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and it was really naive of me, but you know, we learned. Mm. Yeah, I, I had these ideas that, you know, when starting to dive into that and become aware of my thoughts that, you know, a good mother needs to be with her child 24 seven, a good mother puts herself last. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that kind of stuff. And I know you'd spoken with Marnie about this sort of a few weeks ago, it was this mm. kind of martyr, martyr kind of mentality. Yeah. And so as I said, like I had been practicing yoga and meditation for, you know, 15 years or so before I'd had Zeke. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my connection with my body, um, my awareness of my body, those kind of um, practices that I'd had, like, you know, I would, I would be practicing yoga daily. Um, and so then after I'd had Zeke, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't mm. do that in a way that would work for me. Mm -hmm. And 
then on top of that, when I would take some time to do things for myself, like go to a yoga class, when I had reached the point of, you know, meltdown, mm-hmm. um, when, my, when I had kept crossing my own boundaries so many times, I spent the whole time, uh, you know, with this kind of overwhelming sense of guilt or, um, yeah, like really kind of this heavy feeling that it was really like, not helpful. <laughs> mm. you, it, you are like unable to sort of relax and, you know, fulfill the whole purpose of being in a yoga class <laughs> when you're standing there thinking, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing that. I feel guilty. All that sort yeah. of stuff kind of builds up and then it sort of becomes pointless anyways. Yeah. And I think I did a lot of hanging on to my old life, my old ways of being like when I say old as in pre-child, pre-motherhood. Mm. And I, in my mind had thought that that was my life and that's how it should stay. And mm-hmm. it just didn't work for me. Yeah. And so instead of kind of being open and concentrating on like focusing on like accepting where I was in the moment and what was available to me focusing on that Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of this suffering twice of uh, not being able to do the things that I wanted to do um, but also not supporting myself and then feeling bad about it as well or feeling bad about whatever kind of maybe meltdown I had or feeling bad about not trying not being the you know this ideal mother in my mind Mm -hmm. Who's uh, that, by the way? <laughs> I don't know, but she sounds really boring to yeah. be honest. <laughs> I um, said goodbye to her a while ago. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Um, and the, I guess when you're so sleep deprived as well, it's so hard to think clearly and to think, okay, I need to drink two liters of water today or I need to eat you know, these certain foods or I need to make sure I move my body when you're just so, so exhausted. Oh, what, yeah. How did you get to a point of um, what did you do to sort of help yourself um, cope with um, the postnatal depression and eventually overcome it? Yeah. So first I saw my GP and we got me onto uh, melatonin Mm -hmm. Uh, and I did that for about a week or 10 days or so. And that's to help you sleep. It's basically to help kind of your body uh, remember how to sleep again. Mm. And that worked for a couple of weeks. And then the insomnia crept back in again. Uh, the depression and anxiety crept back in as well. Um, and again, my son was sleeping better. It wasn't 45 minutes. He was still waking, but I would only, again, get that couple of hours before he'd wake again. And then I was up for the rest of the night. Mm. Um, yeah. So then I then tried a low dose of antidepressants, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if it was placebo or not, but I felt like they kicked in quite well, quite quickly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was another struggle too. Cause I didn't like, I'm, I'm very um, low tox health conscious. You know, I wanted to be the natural parent. I've always had that kind of focus on a natural type lifestyle. So that mm-hmm. was a real, um, that was a real tough one for me. And just yeah. at that time, it was like something in my intuition just said, what's it going to cost you if you don't like I'd left it too late to try other things. Like yeah. if I wanted to be any good to myself or my child or anyone, mm. I needed to do something now. So yeah, I had started on a low dose of an antidepressant as well as seeing a um, beautiful psychologist weekly and doing a group. Um, what would you call it? Like a group, 
group counseling or something mm -hmm. like that. And it was awesome. Yeah. They would take our little ones for a play while we sat in a room and like just chatted and uh, it was led by a psychologist and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that was beautiful, but also to like implementing, which I found quite tough at the time, implementing time for myself. And yeah. what I found tough, it wasn't actually having the time to myself. It was asking or saying, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has kind of, like my identity is, you know, an independent, capable woman who doesn't need any help from anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's, I see that in a lot of women that I work with, mm. uh, you know, this desire and this um, almost like a, what's the word? a glorification of being able to do it all ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that was my identity. So it was so hard for me to say, actually, I need some time for myself or actually I need help or yeah. So yeah. Trying to put that into place and ha having the conversations with my husband, like you need to say to me, you should go and have some time to yourself, get home mm. from work. If you see, I look a little bit frazzled, tell, make me go for a walk. Because mm. at that point in time, I hadn't reached the mental capacity and I hadn't done the belief work to say, I'm going for a walk. You got the babe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. You, and sort of losing that need to ask permission rather than just saying I'm going for a walk rather than exactly. is it okay if I go for a walk? And yeah, I think there's like, there's so much stigma around that too. Like if you're asking for help, then maybe people are going to view you as, you know, ill-equipped or not a good enough mother or whatever the case may be. And it's just so not true. And yeah, I mean, I've been there. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing is too, like, you know, yourself, and I'm sure your listeners are the same, particularly as women, particularly as mothers, how good does it feel when you can help someone else? Mm. When like, I love it. If it was, if one of my friends says to me, um, oh, would you mind picking something up on the way here? Or, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I don't know what to make for dinner. I would feel so honoured mm. to be able to help someone like and just drop off a lasagna or, you know, something like that, yeah. like a cup of coffee or something. I know how good it feels. So it's almost like a gift. Like when you ask for help and someone is able to meet your needs, it's mm. like you're allowing them to gift you something, which yeah. is a gift to them as well. And it can even be, I know, because it is so hard to sometimes to ask for help. If you know that a friend of yours, you know, looks like they're struggling a bit or having a hard time, just do something anyway. It's like, don't, you don't always have to be asked. Um, yeah. You know, if you want to drop something off at the front door or Uber Eats some smoothies or something, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's nice too, to know that there's support out there, whether you've asked for it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you were just saying earlier about um, going on antidepressants, I think, you know, there's so much stigma around that too, that that's a negative thing and that's a bad thing. I think because we only, a lot of the time we only hear negative stories about people being on medication and, mm. you know, that's not the experience for a lot of people. Like they do actually have a place you know, I'm not saying that every single person needs to be on them, but, um, you know, like you said, if you hadn't have started them, where would you be? Yeah. And I think it's in the form of, again, accepting another form of help, like, mm. you know, admitting that you're accepting external help, that you're not doing it by yourself. Mm. 
Uh, and so for me, yeah, that was something that now I'm, and it's been great too, because for sure, I 100% had judgments around that, mm. not in terms of other people taking them, but for myself, like, mm. no, 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 I'll be able to do it differently. Yeah. And I think that has been, it's been a total break of my ego. Like my ego was broken. And mm. I think that's the best thing that could have ever happened <laughs> to me, you know, and then when you have these kind of experiences and you can relate with others. Um, mm. Yeah. So I'm really thankful for that. I think a lot of the um, work really kicked in when, in terms of like caring for myself and learning how to make myself feel good and, yeah, that kind of, I don't want to call it work. That sounds too serious. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of playing with that kind of stuff really kicked in when I discovered I was second, pregnant with my second son. So mm -hmm. I was just finishing kind of that six months on the antidepressants when we decided to move to Melbourne for my mm -hmm. husband's business. And within two months, I think it was, we discovered I was pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, wow. And so to put it into perspective, like we'd moved into state, we had no family or friends that we even knew there. Mm -hmm. um, I had my dad, he lived over an hour away, which was great. Um, but yeah, it wasn't just like having my family five minutes around the corner to help me fold yeah. the floor, you know, and didn't have those kind of social connections yet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was when I really went, okay, I'm, I'm, first of all, I had to dive into the fear of it happening again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, when I was like, right. And that's when I got into an action plan of what do I need to do to not just be okay for mm -hmm. my second baby, mm -hmm. but to actually feel great, feel awesome, find the bliss and the pleasure in every day mm -hmm. and know that when it's hard or it's shit moments, that's all it is. And mm -hmm. not to struggle twice and believe that it is an indication of the person who I am or some kind of reflection of my self-worth. Mm. So um, when you did that move um, to Melbourne and you were pregnant, <clears throat> excuse me, how, how old was your first son? He was uh, about 14 months. Okay. And so by then had the PND kind of eased a little bit or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too long after I'd started taking the antidepressants and seeing a psychologist that I was able to sleep again. Mm -hmm. And the Which makes the world of difference. Well, the recovery after that was really quite swift. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, okay. yeah. And so what were some of the things in your action plan? Um, you know, obviously going into a second pregnancy, you probably would have had a lot of fears around, you know, experiencing the same thing again. So what were some of the things that, um, that you did to kind of give yourself the best opportunity to, um, to sort of cope as best as you could? Yeah. So a bunch of stuff. The first thing was like quite kind of practical stuff, mm -hmm. um, which was literally listing and what I call term now the high vibe guide in my overflow course, which was mm -hmm. um, the mama cup filler. And it was literally listing everything that is available to me mm -hmm. that makes me feel good mm -hmm. from standing on the grass, drinking my coffee with the sunshine on my face in the morning yep. to um, bushwalks or to hours to myself um, mm -hmm. journaling uh, so yeah, it was really creating that high vibe guide for myself. What could raise my vibes and make me feel good. Mm -hmm. It was also, <laughs> I literally did a, a flow chart. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Of love like it. 
Okay, so when I wake up in the morning and I'm so tired, I want to cry. This is mm -hmm. what I need to do. These mm -hmm. are the things that I just don't think about it. I don't calculate the hours of sleep I've missed. Uh, I don't decide how I feel at that moment in time. I just, you know, get up, have a shower. You know, there was things in that list. There was probably about three things mm -hmm. that I knew would make me feel good. The other part of that flow chart was like, what do I do if I'm so tired? I feel like I want to die because some <laughs> mornings it feels yeah. like, right. Uh, like yeah. this morning at 4.45 a.m. for both of us. <laughs> We'll see now, Steph, you'll come to, you'll, you might get to this point as well eventually because I've had like my second kid now and it's like, oh, like it's yeah. a total acceptance. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. Oh, he's two, my son's two now. And yeah, it's not the same as what he would have been if, you know, it was, he was three months or six months. Like it's no. just, it's totally a shift. Yeah. And um, sorry, I hope that didn't sound patronizing. But no, yeah. no, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I totally <laughs> understand what you mean. <laughs> Yeah. So it was that kind of like some practical things um, as well as conversations with my husband mm. uh, about what I need and some signs of like, uh, you know, maybe some signs that he can pick up on. Mm -hmm. And it was a great conversation because he's like, dude, <laughs> babe, like you need to just tell me, I don't give a shit. If you want to go for a walk every afternoon, when I get home from work, if you mm. want to offload the kids for a night or whatever, go away for a weekend, just do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was great to have his support and be able to have those open conversations. Mm. And this is why I think I'm so grateful for that experience because our relationship, like, I mean, you can't, you, you cannot come, you cannot crumble completely in front of someone and bear your like open wounds to them. Mm. And then later, like not expect you to have a deeper intimacy. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Cause it, it sort of becomes like, I felt, I feel like in really early postpartum, like depending on what kind of birth you've had, your partner almost becomes a carer and then mm. they're back to partner and then, you know, things happen and they're, you know, they're everything like therapists, psychologists. I mean, it's important to have, you know, professionals <laughs> working with you as well, but yeah, they see every single part of you beneath the surface and yeah. that's, it's only going to go one way which is up um, if they can kind of, yeah, accept what's going yeah, on. Yeah. If they can meet you where mm. you need to meet. And what else? Uh, definitely like working on my mind and my mindset. And when, when I talk about that, it's not about just looking at the positive or do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like I said, I'm an eternal optimist. I, yeah. you know, that comes to me naturally, but it was more again, having that awareness about my thoughts and my beliefs, you know, doing the Byron Katie and deciding whether that belief when it would come up for me, is it true? And maybe mm. it was pre-children, but is it true in this moment? Mm. And is it something I want to live by? And if it's not true, well, then how can I replace it or make it better or create a new belief? Mm -hmm. So example for like when we talked about before having to be there for my children 24-7, it was like, well, is that true? And it's like, no, I can think of a bunch of amazing women who are not with their kids 24-7. Mm. I can think a of a, you know, a bunch of um, different scenarios of other cultures where, you know, children are raised by more than one person mm. and they thrive. So, yeah, it was about rewriting what I knew to be true, what my truths were, mm. and rewriting how it would then play out for me. Um, and that's really inspirational to other mums as well. Like I actually remember um, not long after we met, 
I, it was one of your um, Instagram stories and you'd said something about, you know, I'm no good to like who, which other people spend 24 hours together. It was something along those lines. Like no one does because you just get sick of each other. And so, and that's really what happens sometimes as a mother. Like, not that you're sick of your children. I mean, sometimes, yes. But um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, everyone needs a break from each other and that's a healthy thing. It's not a negative thing. And it was sort of like, I remember watching that and thinking, oh, yes, thank you for that permission, Regan. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like, I mean, I had to, like, stop looking at myself like I was some kind of glorious um perfect person like do my kids want to hang out with me 24 7 like a mm. think of the children no, yeah they <laughs> get so much from other people yeah and when we give our children that opportunity to bond with other people uh like that's so important mm. and i think that's really invaluable and when we give them opportunity to be with other people they learn other things other people have different passions and um no different stuff and mm. i think that's that's really important. So it was about looking at the benefits of my children being mm. other, being cared for by other people. You know? Yeah. And that being said too, like if you want to spend all day with your child, you know, that's fine. Like if it works, do it. That's right. But it's okay if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. If it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Mm. And that goes for everything, you know, with all the choices that you make as a mother with your yeah. child or children. Yeah. So and how- so... Yes, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to ask. So, how did um, how was the second time round for you? Amazing. <laughs> um, birth was so intense. It was probably about three or so hours of active labour. Mm. Uh, did you ha- have a home birth? Yeah, yeah, okay. I had a home birth with him. Um, and when I just talk about active labour, like that's normally kind of right, similar kind of time for labour. But as in, I kind of knew I was pregnant about an hour or two before that. Uh, pregnant. <laughs> It was quite. Oh my god! I've been wanting to interview someone that had a spontaneous (laughs) baby right now. Uh, No, it's my prego brain, baby three on the way, right? And our four forty-five a.m. start this morning, which you can relate to. Okay, so I realised I was in labour, and I put my I put Zeke to bed. He was two, just over two at the time. And like, honestly, I don't know what was going on that day, but he, it was like 45 minutes after I had put him down and he must've known something was up. So anyway, long story mm-hmm. short, after 45 minutes of trying to get him to sleep, I was like, stuff this, I'm going to feed him to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone back into his room after being in and out and I discovered he was in his potty, taken off his nappy. I'm like, okay, by then, like contractions were coming every minute mm. and they were hard and fast, right? Mm. So I waited between contractions. I climbed into his cot with him. I'm like, right, I'm feeding you to sleep. Let's just do this. And so I fed him to sleep. But the like the nipple stimulation like has stimulated all this like surge in oxytocin. My waters mm. have broken in his cot. Oh my god! I've like waited between for another contraction to finish before I could climb out of the cot. And two hours later, Oscar was born. So wow. he had a little nap, and then he was up and got to see his brother be born. And yeah, that was the story of Oscar being born. So that's but- amazing. Can you see how um, Zeke? needed to be awake in that moment like needed to be up and needed you to put him to sleep so that he could help you 
progress in your labor i've not looked at it like that before yeah. but yeah exactly like he's totally working for me but man yeah. at I the time like, really so really <laughs> <laughs> that's how i view it as like yeah yeah, mm. yeah. and it was so amazing and if anyone's um pregnant with their second child and considering home birth and and thinking about having siblings there obviously like you do whatever feels good for you for me i it was really important for me i don't know what it was but i just wanted him to be there mm. um i just i think maybe as a, a male i wanted him to have reverence for the female body and mm. birth and the process and also um it was amazing because I think, you know, when you have, when you're, um, when you give birth and there's all those, um, those hormones and endorphins and, um, is it pheromones? What's it? What yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah. Pheromones. Those bonding kind of that bonding cocktail that everyone that's around receives. Oh, mm. I think that made a huge difference. There was honestly no jealousy between my boys mm. at all. Like, at least for the first 12 months. And then when Oscar started walking and stuff, it was a bit like, oh no, he's, he can take my stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So had a great birth with Oscar. And then basically I kicked off right away with um, looking after myself. I, we made sure Jake was able to take two weeks off work the first two weeks. And then I organized for my mum to fly down for two weeks after that. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm spending four weeks in bed feeding Amazing. my baby napping when my baby needs to nap well whenever I can nap really yeah and you guys are going to look after Zeke and I was Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh it ended up being like a month of a toddler holiday I was (laughs) like I'm having like heaps more babies after this just for the toddler holiday just for that break yeah but but that's so good Regan like so good to be able to put all of that in place and know exactly what you want and for the outcome that you need Yeah. And it sounds like, oh, I've just gone and asked for this, but the asking for that to happen was difficult. And the the continuing of being uncomfortable and being with the discomfort of asking for what what I need has Mm. continued to make it easier to do that. Yeah. And that's not something that you're going to overcome once. Like you're not going to ask for something and then be like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm happy to ask for everything now. It's always, you know, when you've done something a certain way for many, many years, it takes a lot of practice to undo that thinking and undo that behavior. Yeah. And, and when you asked before about, you know, things that I'd done, uh, you know, to make it a better experience the second time round, another thing I did was really focus in again on that connection with my body. So Mm -hmm. what can I do to, connect with my body and again I knew I wasn't going to be practicing yoga for an hour a day or going to an hour and a half yoga class and being gone from my baby for two hours like Mm. that wasn't going to be happening for me so and this is something that I was practicing in in pregnancy as well so it was really focusing on sensuality like all of my senses like connecting with my body through my senses Mm. and in doing that i I could do, you know, you can do that anywhere at any time throughout your day. Plus when you do that really brings you into the present moment. Mm. So you're able to be present. You're able to be in the now you're able to be mindful. Mm. So as I was talking about before, you know, standing on the grass in the morning, having a cup of coffee with the sunshine on my face, Mm. like that was able to bring me to my body, connect me with my body. And through that, I discovered that first of all, it really, um, gave me a really strong connection to my intuition, mm-hmm. which as mothers, like, I think that's such a powerful tool. Yeah. Uh, it really allowed me to 
know where my boundaries lie. Mm-hmm. And this is something I share with the women I work with. Like, how do you know where your boundaries lie? Like, we're all very good at knowing when our boundaries are crossed. Mm. But how do you know where they lie? Mm-hmm. And it is through our body telling us and talking to us. Mm-hmm. And we can't expect our body, we can't expect those messages to come through if we don't have a strong relationship with our body. Another thing I was going to say too, which is a little controversial, is in terms of self-care, I really believe that self-care is not the answer. Self-care mm-hmm. alone is not the answer. A little bit controversial oh, from the oh, oh. queen. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, as I was talking about with the high vibe guide and you with your list, like I could c- prescribe someone a list as long as their arm of all the things that they can do to feel good. But if they're not giving themselves the permission or not working on the subconscious things that are preventing them from doing all those things in every moment and experiencing pleasure in every moment at this point in time, like at this moment, Mm. then as I was talking about before, when you're doing those things, you're going to feel the discomfort. Maybe it's overwhelming guilt or, you know, a different kind a need to be somewhere else or doing something else. Or like, you're Mm. not worth that pleasure because you haven't ticked all the boxes that day or yeah. So Yeah, definitely. I invite those who would like to, to, yes, of course, like find all the things that bring you joy and pleasure and make you feel good. Mm. And if there is other stuff underlying there that makes you feel bad when you want to leave to go out for lunch with a friend or feel bad because your kids are reacting in a certain way when you go to leave or, you know, as I said, feeling a certain way that's not helpful for you, then it's time to in combination with your high vibe guide Mm. uh, to look at what's lying underneath the surface there. Yeah. Because it's kind of not, I wouldn't call it pointless, but yeah, I mean, you need to have both working in sync. You need to have the self care and the ability to ask for, for help and to feel comfortable in taking time for yourself um, as opposed to, yeah, taking that time and then stressing the whole time or feeling guilty or whatever. We need to clone you and have like one of you in each state and then one of you in each city and you can just um, coach all of the mothers on this because it's so important um, because for so long, you know, I feel like it, it probably is partly because of how our parents parented or how our mothers mothered um, to sort of, you know, sacrifice absolutely everything um, in order to kind of be the best. And we've probably taken a lot of that on board as well. Um, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. There's been a lot of, um, you know, ways of being or doing, Mm. (laughs) as they instead modeled to us, Mm -hmm. but also like we live in a patriarchal society that glorifies, uh, masculine dominant ways of being Mm -hmm. like, you know, the goal oriented, um, goal oriented kind of linear progression and achievement and moving fast and maintaining momentum and, um, yeah, that kind of fast pace and achieving and being productive. Mm. And that's fine if, it balances out with your feminine way of being being and particularly if you are a feminine core being you need to have that time to 
balance that out with your masculine energy or your masculine ways of being mm. so that they, that you can live harmoniously with the two. There's masculine and feminine, feminine energies in everything. Yeah. But and when, when we're women, sorry. No, no, you go. Yeah. When we're, when we are women or feminine core beings, uh, subscribing to whether that's consciously or, or unconsciously subscribing to a masculine dominant way of being, we are actually like stressing ourselves to the max. We mm. are um, squashing that feminine energy, squ squashing that, you know, that goddess energy that I talk about. Um, yeah, we are not living in flow. We are not honoring our cycles and seasons. We are not honoring being instead mm. of doing. And so you'll find with yourself, like some days you feel like, cleaning everything in the house and that's what makes you feel good mm. and other days it's you know 10 o'clock and you're like i'm i'm putting my slippers back on and yeah and like motherhood is sort of inherently not linear or goal orientated you know it's i mean i mean linear in the sense that you don't go from point a to point b to c to d it goes back again like you know in that hang on i'm what i'm saying is it is linear <laughs> but it's not like do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just a straight road. Um, well, exactly. Like, even like each night. I don't know about you, but with both of my boys, it's like... Will they sleep? <laughs> because they slept a certain length of time one night doesn't mean it'll be the same the next night and the next night and the next yeah. night. It doesn't. And also, it's like how your days flow. If you try and tick all the boxes and be productive and do all of the things you'll find and perhaps like you you feel the same as this and maybe your listeners are as well find this as well when you're so um focused on achieving and doing and being productive when you have children when they stop you or interrupt you or cause blocks to that you end up then taking it out on them mm. like often you can uh and then you find yourself being in a way that doesn't actually align with your values and the way that you want to be with your children and the way that you want to connect with your children, mm. which again then places more pressure on yourself. Yeah, that's it. And like, that's, you know, the frustration with, you know, being interrupted doing something is huge. And that's why, you know, things like, I, for me, I've never put a lot of pressure on myself to have dinner ready by a certain time or have the house looking spotless. And that works for me. Like that's just sort of what I do. But like, if I am planning to cook dinner, it's like, okay, well, we'll start chopping the veggies at three o'clock. <laughs> you know, we'll give ourselves plenty of time because I know that this isn't going to take just an hour. It's probably yeah. going to take and we're going to allow for some, you know, some interruptions and some things to happen. And, you know, it's not perfect, but that's sort of how I kind of look at every task. <laughs> that is so awesome for you to have that kind of awareness as well. Often it can take women to be on their second, third or, you know, more children before they are giving themselves permission to change their expectations on themselves well that took more than 12 months for me like initially I wasn't like that and I, I don't think you know I think it's totally normal to go into motherhood and think oh yeah nothing's going to change it's going to be fine and I'll use the example of cooking dinner again but then you get interrupted and then you get frustrated and then you think well, why isn't this baby you know conforming to my lifestyle and you know it's just not realistic for a lot of us that that's the way it's going to be so yeah, eventually you learn to kind of shift your expectations and, um, yeah, it's, 
there's, I had a few people say to me when I was pregnant, oh, it's really easy. Baby just fits into your lifestyle. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. And then it's just that I, it very quickly, I learned that that wasn't going to be the case for us yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And it depends on your lifestyle too. I mean, it would be very worrying if my baby fitted into our pre-baby lifestyle. We mm. had big weekends. We yeah. were the last <laughs> to leave the party. We would have everyone back at our house, you know, mm. Um, so there, there was always going to come a huge, um, uh, what would be the right way to put this? It was always going to be a challenge for us to transition smoothly mm. from one lifestyle, pre-baby lifestyle to a having a baby lifestyle to a post-baby lifestyle. So, mm. yeah. And it's about like, what's available to you as well. Mm. I mean, again, if you are focused on this kind of, which we have sort of been indoctrinated into and spent our life probably living from this masculine patriarchal society way of being. Um, what's available to you though, if you are trying to do all the things and achieve all the things and tick all the boxes, because that's what you're used to doing when you had the opportunity and that was available to you as a person without any dependence. Well, now it's time to reevaluate what is available to you now. Mm. And if only half of that is available to you now and you can have acceptance for that, that is going to bring you so much peace, mm. right? That feeling of acceptance for anything can bring with it so much peace. And yeah. I, I, that would be something that I would wish for every mother. Yeah, it's that surrender. Um, yeah, you know, and mm. it's not about... Um, it's not about neglecting the things that are important to you or your highest values. If you are really focused on, well, however, when I talk about your highest values, like for some women, it is, you know, their business and their relationship and then maybe their child. For other people, it's like their child, their relationship with their partner and the way that they keep their house. You know, mm -hmm. everyone is different. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. There's no judgment. We're all different, but we will find ways to make sure that we uh, spend our time and our effort and our energy on our top values. So if, you're, if the way that your house looks or your interior design of your house or keeping your house really neat and tidy isn't in your top values, but yet you're putting pressure on yourself because you don't have a tidy house, that's going to cause a lot of struggle for you. So mm. yeah, I invite others to really focus on what is important to them right now. And that's why I think becoming a mother is really amazing because you have this opportunity to reevaluate what's important to you right now. Mm. Like Absolutely. I said, there's no right or wrong, but what's important to you and focus on putting your energy there and focus on what's available to you. And I think that can alleviate a lot of pressure on yourself. Mm. Absolutely. Um, you said earlier that, your experience with uh, Zeke, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have wanted it another way. And I hate, you know, in the times when things are really hard, I don't always find it helpful to say, um, think everything happens for a reason because in the moment it's just like, shut up. This is hard. <laughs> like, let me feel yeah. the feelings. Yeah. Um, but you've, you know, you've really made lemonade <laughs> of lemons. Um, and yeah, I mean, can you talk a little bit about how that experience kind of, you know, has brought you to who you are today? 
Yeah, sure. And I'm really glad you touched on that because in, in the sense of, you know, this idea of someone just saying sort of in the moment when you're having, when you're in a struggle, someone kind of saying to you, just grin and bear it. Mm. You know? Wait until it's over. Like, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's not helpful. But I think what would be helpful is imagine if you were a new mum and you're struggling and you knew that if you spoke to other friends, other women, maybe other fellow mothers, other, maybe your GP or your primary health care um, provider, if you knew there was a conversation coming that said, sounded something like, well, look, there's a good chance you've got postnatal depression or anxiety, whatever it might be. Um, the good news is, you know, once we have it all kind of, once we have you supported and getting what you need, after that, you just wait because there's so much amazing stuff ahead for you. There's so much personal growth that can happen. There's so much opportunity for your relationships with, you know, your partner or your family members or your children to come out of this. Mm. Um, you know, there is so much uh, opportunity for your connection with yourself and your body and your intuition and connection with your children um, available to you. Um, yeah, like you're going to be able to learn so much about yourself and your boundaries and who you are and what's important to you. I think if if that was a conversation that you knew was coming, I think that would be helpful for starters mm. in the sense of people seeing, getting the help that they needed before it became what it became for me and other people. Mm. Um, I'm very aware of how how it, how important this is in our society. Um, the highest level of suicide for women is in their first year after giving birth. Mm. Like let that shocking. land. It's shocking. That's huge. Yeah. And I think if, if people were a little more vocal about the benefits that can come from mental health struggles when helped and supported in a healthy way in, in the right timing, Mm. I think that would perhaps allow women in particular to, well, and men as well, we know that's a problem, uh, would allow people to get that the help that they needed earlier. Mm. So perhaps maybe then it wouldn't come to such a, um, a really a tipping yeah, point. Way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And I just wanted to share, that's been my experience. Mm. And I have gotten a lot out of it. I mean, like my business is now helping others with, with all of that and mm. sharing my experiences and my practices and what I have learned. And some of the benefits that women have received from a lot of this stuff that we've talked about today has just been crazy. Mm. Like, I mean, even my, my, my overflow course I did last, which was then called the mum and cup filler. One of the women lost like a number of kilograms <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't a weight loss. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because she had learned to give herself and was practicing giving herself permission to do what felt good for her, which was mm. doing some exercise. And she hadn't planned on losing weight. And mm. I just think like there is, and not just to focus on that, like there's a whole range of benefits that can come from my experience mm. that, you know, that I share. And, and I, I wonder if other people, I wonder if, maybe your listeners have had mental health struggles and have experienced 
a whole lot of um, personal growth and evolution and benefits to relationships and things like that, that I have, I know connecting with other women through my work who have had similar experiences in terms of mental health struggles. I've also um, mm. learned a lot. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think it's probably pretty common because it, it also helps you to, um, to look back on that time and look back on it with meaning and clarity. Like, okay, this, whatever the experience, like, you know, it could be PND, it could just be generalized anxiety, but you can look back on that and go, okay, well, look how that has impacted my life um, in the positives and to a benefit that I can now relate to other women or other people on that level because of what happened. And, you know, that can take years to look back on or maybe a few months or whatever, but in the moment, it's not always clear why things are sort of going the way they're going, but. No way, no way. And I don't want my experience to sound really peachy because in the time over that kind of six months, it was not Mm. at all, at all. But through that, um, yeah, there was things that came out of it for sure that were beneficial. So how are you approaching, you you may not have had time to think about this yet, but how are you sort of approaching postpartum number three? (laughs) Three, in a very similar way, um, I have, and that's the thing, when you dive into your beliefs and things like that and you are able to shift those things, they're gone then. You have these new truths and new beliefs and there's going to be more layers for me to peel back and more Mm -hmm. experiences for me to have and learn from. So mostly it is about continuing to really focus on what pleasure is available to me in every Mm -hmm. moment of every day. Uh, What is available to me in terms of my energy and my time? You know, I have two very energetic boys, as I said, four and two, and I'm also running a business. And sometimes that looks like instead of going ahead with something that I had written down on a piece of paper that I had planned to do at that particular month, it's me reevaluating, tuning in with my body and asking, is this the right time for me? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's not. And sometimes that can make me feel a little bit like, oh, you know, I'm held back. But then it's like, no, what's my priorities? So it's, yeah, again, seeing what is available to me, um, seeing how this bub fits in with our family, mm-hmm. um, seeing how we go with levels of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess, does that really answer your question? Yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah. can't, you can't plan everything sort of down to a T, like, as you said, seeing how baby sort of fits into the family, you don't know what um, any baby's going to be like. So I think having that open mind and just doing what, you know, has worked in the past. Yeah. And, and with that, even not just focusing on like the baby, how the baby will fit in too. Like when you have like subsequent children, obviously the older siblings, how are they going to, how are they going to respond and react? Mm. Um, You know, and it's very common that when there has been like a new baby born or a new baby on the way, that that's when the older sibling or older siblings, that's when they're, you know, in, in quotation marks, you know, acting out or mm. being challenging or whatever you might, however you might want to see it. Um, yeah. And so, well, then maybe that's not just about because I've had this baby and this baby is taking up my time because I have to do all this breastfeeding or whatever it might be. Maybe it is then about, well, the time that I do have, I'm actually putting that into my other children right now because that is what they need. Mm. 
and that's what my top value might be, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's such an honour. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, My handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.